Strong is brought to you by Blickman Engineering, home of the Riptide. Visit them online at BlickmanEngineering.com. For the beer radio you've been looking for. This is the show that dispels myths, tackles the toughest topics, and makes no apologies for geeking out on beer. Hosted by two guys that drink before they think Jamil Zainashev and John Palmer. This is Brew Strong. Hey, howdy. Hey, my brewers, brothers and sisters. (laughs) Greetings, greetings. Ah, my gosh. Not enough of the uh, good stuff uh, yet uh, to be doing shows. You've had a hectic day, I'm sure. Running around, trying to crank out extra work there at the brewery. I've had a heretic day, yes. Which is pretty much... Every day. Pretty much every day, pretty much all the time. That's pretty much what uh, having a brewer, brewery is about. I bet. I bet so. I, w- I will tell you. All right. So <laughs> I've been thinking about telling you this. I haven't mentioned this to you. I texted you this or anything because I wanted to save this especially for a show Excellent. where I could tell people what kind of a weird, uh, freaky dude I really am. Because, um, well, a couple of things. One is... Uh, because of the, uh, the coronavirus and me being immune compromised, yep. uh, my wife and I have to sleep in separate bedrooms. So I'm down in the little guest bedroom downstairs. Oh, yes. I've uh, slept there many times. Yes. While she's up in the, the master suite. Uh-huh. Uh, but that has allowed me to separate out our toiletries. Right? So I'm using completely separate toiletries, bars of soap, toothpaste, uh, shampoos, what have you. And so one of the things that I've been doing is tracking my use per gram of uh, my toiletries. Uh-huh. And uh, I've got a spreadsheet for uh, every, you know, like a, a, you know, a shampoo, a conditioner, a bar soap, toothpaste, mouthwash, uh, you know, face wash, anything uh, that is consumed. Uh, I haven't been weighing the toilet paper. I will say that because, uh, you know, when you, and, and my point being, when you travel, uh-huh. uh, you know, you have to carry, I, I like to carry all this stuff with me. I, I, have, I have curated over the years a, a number of products, which makes all this beauty uh, possible, you see. I've always wondered. <laughs> exactly. You know, it doesn't, doesn't come, come cheap or easy. Well, I do, but the products don't. So uh, what I've been doing is, uh, you know, measuring these things out because... Then I know, based on the the uh, duration of the trip, uh, how much uh, of each product I would need, and thus I can uh, apply the appropriate size container. Would it be like a fifty mil, sixty mil, seventy mil, eighty mil, hundred mil, whatever it might be? Uh, so I will only carry with me the appropriate amount of shampoo and soap and conditioner and all this. I know how many grams exactly if I'm doing, cause I do some longer trips. I mean, I did a uh-huh. five weeker there uh, in, in, in Europe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, for five weeks I ran out of like certain things 
And then, you know, of course they have those products in. Um, yeah, I was going to say the wardens usually supply a few things <laughs> like that. <laughs> exactly. But, I mean, they have it and you can go you know, to the Tesco or whatever and pick up, uh, you know, bar of soap. Uh, although bar soap is really hard to find in Europe. It's all liquid soap. Yeah. That's Anyways, true. Uh, but you know, you, you know the, the the same smell, the same you know uh, feeling on your skin, very difficult to find. So that's why people take stuff with them. And so uh, I, uh, being the particular sob I am, uh, I like to bring my own, and I like to not run out. And so I have been measuring to the gram how many, and and this has been. Uh, a good, uh, you know, coming on uh, 60 plus days of tracking. So I know over time, you know, exactly uh, how much I need of each each product. And so the benefit being, I will carry, you know, people say, well, why not just throw a big old bottle in there and carry it with you? It's like, well, because that's extra weight, that's yeah. extra extra space. And you know what gets left behind when there's extra weight and extra space uh, taken yeah. up? It's beer. Yep. And we just don't want to see that happen. Come on. True. Uh, True. Let's, let's, let's be reasonable here. Why are we on this planet? <laughs> it's all about beer. That's so right. uh, this, through these methods, I think I've freed up enough. I mean, I was already pretty tight on that, but I think I've freed up enough space to, uh, you know, carry a couple more uh, cans of beer with me on my next trip. That's very, very interesting. Um, (laughs) You know, the the dedication to actually, you know, define how much that is and how much exactly you need. That's, that's significant. I, I never would have thought of doing that. I don't have your perspicacity and, uh, you know, yeah. yeah. No, no. But now that you've heard it, see, this is the thing. The same reason that bidet sales shot up, yes. uh, you know, uh, the, <laughs> the same reason. Now everybody's going to be doing this. They're like, oh, yeah, I, I do just, you know, a little gram scale, a little kitchen scale. And you just measure it at the start of a month, month later, you know, weigh it again. And they go, okay, here's how many grams of these products I use in a month. And then if you're going on a long trip, you know, you don't have to take this giant ass jug of shampoo with you. You can take just, you know, and it's surprising uh, how, you know, this is the Marie Kondo of, uh, you know, travel here. I'm that that's who I am. I'm just, uh, I'm a little OCD and uh, a lot uh, curious about measuring things. Yeah. That's very interesting. I I always use what's in the in the hotel. I know you you. That, that's the difference, John. <laughs> yeah, I take what's there, use it. <laughs> Don't really pay attention. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, that of course there are the the times that I've actually brushed my teeth with, uh, you know, <laughs> hemorrhoid cream or something like that because I'm not paying attention. So there is that downside. Because they have a tube of hemorrhoid cream in the hotel you're at. Yeah. Or, you know, it's, or, or lotion or something else, you know, that I pick it up and not realize what it is. Yeah. Eva says, our, our, my travel planning is insane. No, 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 no. This is the thing. You've got to be efficient. If you are going to go on the road for five weeks, yes. uh, you really need to be prepared you need to, I, I map out 
where I'm going to do laundry, you know, because there's all I take is one little rolly case. I don't yeah. take like, you know, you, you are efficient. I, yeah. I fall at the other end. I carry a very large aluminum suitcase that will fit anything I want to bring home. <laughs> right. Um, Dead body. What, what, yeah. what have you? All marsupials. But I mean, then they're on the other end of the spectrum. There's Stan Hieronymus, where for you know a two or three week trip, he's got his day pack. He's got a little little brown paper bag with yeah, uh, that's all he a carries. Banana and uh, and a sandwich in it, and that's yeah. it. Yeah. See, I so, can't do that. I I I for one, I need to be clean. I need mm-hmm. to uh, be properly bathed, uh, washed from head to toe every every morning. I, I cannot approach the day without bathing. I can't, you know, I've, I've got to be clean shaven. I've got, you know, all this stuff needs to happen. Otherwise, I just, I, I, I can't, I can't handle it. It's, yeah. Wild it's just, yeast uh, and bacteria. Yep. Yo, yeah. <laughs> I mean, more than others, I am covered in yeast. <laughs> I, I, I just, that, that's a fact. Well, you know who else uh, is a bit of, a, uh, uh, of an OCD uh, kind of guy? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's putting it mildly. <laughs> I mean, friend, his attention to detail. Our friend John Blickman. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Uh, attention to detail is a good way to put it. You know, that brilliant engineering mind of his, you know, put towards, you know, just every little last aspect of brewing. I know for a fact that, you know, I'm OCD about the, the beers that we make. I guarantee you he's OCD about everything that they make there at Blickman Engineering. That's for sure. You know, it's it's not enough. You know, the, take take a look at. Uh, I'll give you an example. The uh, Blickman beer gun. When they came out with it, everyone's like, "It's a revolution in how how we fill beer bottles." This right. is fantastic. Works perfectly, right? So, what did he do? But take you know feedback, uh, stress testing, everything he could, and fix any little thing that might yep. be slightly, you know, could be improved, right? He improved and, it, yep. and, You know, it was less than flawless. <gasps> okay, well, we need, we, need to, we need to address that. That's the way the guy rolls. Brilliant guy, really sweet, kind, uh, intelligent, nice guy. I can't, I can't say enough good stuff about him. We should stay, what, what are the bad things about him? I mean, other than that, uh, you know, uh, horrible uh, uh, basement uh, torture room. He has. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's that's a that's a matter of choice, lifestyle. I think. You know, it is. Uh, but he, you know, he's he's got he's got the whiskey bar next to it, so I oh, think it right. balances out. It is a fifty-fifty. It is a yeah, a yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I think you know one of the greatest things uh, he's done is uh, sponsored this show for uh, 15, 16 years or so. Right. Up on two decades, he's paid for the show. He literally has paid for the show so that we're on and that we keep doing this. So if you appreciate that, and then the the massive backlog of information that we've done over the 500 hours we've been on the air, I would say take a minute of your time, rattle off a quick email to feedback at blickmanengineering.com. And uh, tell him, tell John that you appreciate that he's, he uh, has paid for this show. Uh, and, you know, you could go to their website, check out any new gear they have. They've got lots of interesting stuff that will uh, yeah. help your brew day be better. So check them out. Uh, today, uh, we wanted to talk about uh, 
low alcohol, low alcohol, non-alcoholic beers. It seems like a real, uh, you know, buzz word yeah. or, you know, a passion for a lot of people right now. They're worrying about the uh, effects of alcohol. Uh, you know, you know, they want to have a non-alcoholic option for those times when, uh, you know, they're, they're, yeah. uh, working on the lawnmower or, you know, instead of just mowing with it, uh, you know, various things. And so uh, it's become quite popular now. Uh, you know, it's one of those, those trending things. Yeah. Session beers uh, kind of came and went, I think. Yeah. You know, yeah. Brewers were more interested in than consumers. Non-alcoholic beers, I think, has a little more staying power than uh, low alcohol beer. Uh, for the, for the consumer, beers. yeah. 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 I think the consumer is uh, interested. Um, John, how would you um, define a low alcohol beer? I mean, or what, what are the definitions yeah. around low or no alcohol beer? Sure. Well, you know, it varies uh, state to state, country to country. But in general, when we're talking about low alcohol beers, we are talking about the low end of the session beers, something less than 2.5% ABV. Mm. Uh, for a no alcohol beer here in the United States, that uh, has to be less than one half ABV, mm-hmm. one half percent. Right. Now, uh, if you can go, go, you can even go further than that. If you want to say that a beer is alcohol free, or actually wouldn't be a beer at that point, this fermented beverage is alcohol free. Yeah, it has to be less than 005 percent. Well, and that's interesting. That is a new development because yeah. You you could say uh, no alcohol and have up to a half percent, and then I guess it was Heineken that came out with a zero point zero zero beer that was alcohol free, and all of a sudden uh, they came up with rules in order to call something alcohol free or to it, it's technically yeah. I think it's enabled it, to say it is zero alcohol on the label. I think that was um, that's yeah. that's the requirement that it be you know less than point zero five, or you know it has to truly be if you're going to say it's zero percent on that yeah. label because I guess people were saying uh, no alcohol and, and wanted to call it zero percent and they're saying no 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 that doesn't work no alcohol is actually a half a percent <laughs> yeah um, and so they came up with this whole new term alcohol free. Um, have you tried the Heineken uh, Zero beer? I have not. Um, oddly enough, the opportunity or the situation circumstances have never come up. Um, <laughs> I had I had people try and sneak it to me and go, hey, "What do you think of this beer?" Uh-huh. Like, well, it's watery and it's missing uh, some of the alcohol <laughs> character. I'm like, uh, this must be like a, a low alcohol, no alcohol beer. And sure enough, there you go. So, yeah, uh, yeah, I thought it was pretty good, though. I thought for an alcohol-free beer, I thought that that was uh, pretty spot on. I was, you know, I, I yeah. certainly wouldn't drink it because I don't need random calories without alcohol. There you go. Uh, yeah, what's the point? <laughs> right, exactly. I mean, <laughs> I, I've got to admit, I drink beer for the flavor, but I also the, the alcohol that's in it, you know, yeah. um, makes me far more attractive, funnier, smarter, and able to do shows. Yeah. Uh, Without it, 
I'm, I'm at a loss. I'm a very quiet, <laughs> uh, very boring person. Mm. So <clears throat> uh, I cannot do the show on, on a, and, and I'm a bit of a fat person. So I need fewer calories. If I'm going to put calories in for a drink, it's got to have some alcohol in it. I'm just, that's, yeah, that's the there's got to be that trade off. Yeah. Yeah. There is, yeah. there's no reason for me to drink non-alcoholic beer. Yeah. It is kind of adjustment. I think in, in, in expectations because, you know, I, all of us have drank, you know, soda pop all our life, you know, Coca-Cola, root beer, whatever. And then you may, you make the switch to uh, carbonated water and flavored carbonated water like LaCroix and Bubbly and some of these other, you know, brands. Um, I remember the Boy. first time I, yeah, the first time I tried it, I was like, Bleh, you know, it's like, what's the point? It's terrible. But after you get used to drinking carbonated water, you know, and which they do in Europe a lot, I've really grown to appreciate having, you know, carbonated water at dinner and so on. And then having a twist of lime or, you know, some lemon flavor in it is, is nice. So now I've, you know, I've made that adjustment. I think with regard to low alcohol and no alcohol beers, potentially there is that epiphany waiting for me, you know, down the road here. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Sure. I, I just don't see that happening. All right. Let's take a short break. When we come back, we will start to uh, talk about, um, you know, uh, how you brew a no alcohol beer or a low alcohol beer. And if you've got questions, the uh, absolutely gorgeous uh, Miss Bevo is uh, watching the uh, comment section of uh, Facebook Live and uh, will pass your questions on to us. So don't be, don't be shy. Ask your questions. We'll be back right after this. Are you looking for a simple brewing system that's great for all grain brewing, but everything on the market seems to be full of compromises? Blickman Engineering has the answer. The Blickman Brew Easy All Grain Brewing System. The Brew Easy is a complete system with easy upgrades and a beautiful compact design, perfect for any size brewing location. At its core, the Brew Easy is built on two gorgeous Blickman Boilermaker brew kettles, a high temperature march pump, and either a top tier gas burner or the new boil coil electric heater. The Brew Easy adapter lid allows the pots to stack on top of each other, forming an efficient, strong, and compact brewing setup that comes in 5, 10, and 20-gallon batch sizes. Upgrade your BrewEasy system with full automated control by adding a Blickman Tower of Power temp controller and make moving around easy with the Blickman Kettle Cart. The BrewEasy is modular. If you already own a Boilermaker kettle, you can build your BrewEasy by purchasing just the modules you need. The new BrewEasy all-grain brewing system. See it today at BlickmanEngineering.com and brew with Blickman quality on your new BrewEasy. Back to the two guys that know how to turn beer into beer. This is Brew Strong. All right, we're back. We're talking uh, low and no alcohol beers. Uh, <clears throat> so, John, um, what are the traditional methods of low alcohol, no alcohol? How has this been done in the past? Okay. Well, uh, I think the, the most traditional method is to heat up the beer, basically boil off the alcohol. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, many of the near beers and so on of yesterday's gone by uh, were made that way. Um, 
and this can be done for homebrew as well. Um, basically, what you do is you take your your freshly fermented batch of beer and raise it up to about 180 degrees Fahrenheit or 78 degrees Celsius, 70, 74, or sorry, 79, 80 degrees Celsius. Um, and that is a temperature will where the uh, alcohol will evaporate off. Now, the, the downside to heating up your beer is that, of course, this causes uh, any oxygen that's present to oxidize the beer as well. And you really, you rapidly promote uh, so many of these staling uh, flavors that we always abhor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the application of heat to beer uh, introduces heat staling. And, and, and that comes from, uh, you know, the mash and, and how the grains were treated, uh, you know, higher kiln grains, um, except for roasted malt for some reason, really dark kiln grains. But, uh, you know, crystal malts and things like that add to staling, uh, yep. heat staling, as well as does temperature. Uh, Bamforth uh, was always saying, you know, uh, 20 degree uh, C adds to uh, 20 or 10 degree C. 10 uh, degrees double, double, Doubles the rate of staling. So yeah. a, a beer uh, stored 20 Fahrenheit or, you know, 10 degrees C, um, uh, higher ends up, uh, you know, if you store for a month, it's like it's two months older. And yeah. so when you try and produce a low alcohol beer by applying heat, you're staling that beer rapidly. You're, you're going uh, many 10 degrees C multiples and it's a, you know, it's a logarithmic thing. I think yeah. it's not a linear thing. That's right. Um, so, you know, you've, you've made this low alcohol, um, beer that has, where you've evaporated a lot of your volatiles, a lot of your beer character. Now you could put those, that character back in by doing some dry hopping or maybe doing some croissoning with some Mm -hmm. fresh beer to, you know, to get some of that beer character back. But by and large, the point is that, uh, this method for producing low-alcohol beers has never been a favorite method. They've always brewers are always looking for something better well, to get to get a more of a fresh beer character. I, w- I will say that uh, as far as the evaporation method goes and the heated method goes, is that um, it uh, one is fairly cheap to do. Two the beer has been fully attenuated. Yes. I think when you're trying to, you know, arrest fermentation or, you know, somehow uh, stop fermentation, you end up with a worty beer Mm -hmm. and the taste of wort is not beer. You know, um, I I find that more offensive to my palate than, uh, you know, (laughs) a non-alcoholic beer. Um, But, you know, the, the, thing I'm curious about is could you do this method of heating and produce heat staling and will uh, a yeast like Britannomyces or a croisoning uh, of some other yeast uh, be able to reverse some of that staling? I know that they're able to reverse oxidative staling because I've, yeah. I've proved that to myself multiple times over. Uh, I've heard Bamforth and Dr. Lewis talk about it. So, uh, yeah, 
um, and it'll work with Brett. I, I'm, I'm not sure, but you know, could you make a non-alcoholic um, beer through evaporation and then clean it up with, with some addition of Brett, maybe do kind of a Belgian uh, kind of thing? That that's that's a very good idea. Um, I were you know I think that could work. Um, mm. As you say, we've we've seen similar uh, benefits um, in otherwise oxidized beers. Um, yeah, I, I think I think there's some merit to that. Um, well, maybe I'll give it a try. We, got, yeah, got a a five barrel distillery. And I'm, I'm trying to get myself a five barrel brew plant uh, to mm-hmm. play around with. I mean, we could brew a five barrel batch of beer. Uh, the thing is distilling it. It's not worth anything unless it's high ABV, ah, right. uh, but we could, we could transfer it over there, distill it and then take that wort back or that beer back and then dress it with some Britannomyces and see if, yeah, it actually turns out to be a nice low ABV beer. That's yeah. all right. I've no. got another interesting challenge on my plate. Yeah, yeah, that could work. I mean, as you say, you know, most most beer yeasts fully attenuate the beers, and then you're coming back with it with some Brett to try to work on the dextrins mm-hmm. a bit. Um, yeah, that might work. Uh, and you may so, now, depending on how much you know, if you have to add more fermentables to get that bread to to be invigorated and active, you may end up with like a you know two and a half percent as opposed mm-hmm. to one and a half percent. But you I, know. I think here's one of the difference between Brett and a lot of uh, uh, other sack strains um, is that uh, it will, you know, with with it keeps working in the background. <laughs> yeah. You know, it doesn't need like an active condition to, to go. That's Whereas true. a lot of other yeasts will go dormant uh, mm-hmm. in a low sugar, you know, environment. Brett will look to consume your barrel, consume whatever is there uh, just to keep going. So yeah. I think that that's, that's definitely a possibility. So what other types of solutions are there? You know, there's, okay. there's the, the, the traditional homebrew heated up and kind right. of boil off the alcohol. Uh, yeah. And now they can improve on that by doing it under vacuum. And you could do that. I mean, there's cheap vacuum uh, yeah. pumps available on eBay. And mm-hmm. maybe you could make a lid to seal on your kettle and, uh, you know, heat it up that way and yeah. draw off that way. What, yeah, the, what what kind of temperatures are we talking if you pull a full vacuum? Um, well, there are there are commercial dealkalizers that can get the boiling point all the way down to sixty five degrees Fahrenheit. So wow, that how, you know, how is that possible? <laughs> I high pressure, high vacuum pressure, I guess. Well, because isn't oh, so here's another question for you, which I, I don't <laughs> know, I don't necessarily know the 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 answer to. Although I know a lot of crap, I do. Isn't the amount of vacuum you're able to pull limited to the atmosphere here on the planet? I mean, can you ever pull more than, you know, uh, the one atmosphere, the 15 point? uh, Oh, yeah. uh, With an active pump. Yeah. I mean, how can you you pull? I mean, you pull more negative than the atmosphere. I mean, once you've 
removed all the pressure that's that exists around you. You well, so you you risk further. collapsing the vessel, which has yes. happened many times. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, if you so if you, you get to uh, instead of zero pressure, you can get to a negative pressure. I don't think you can get to. Well, yeah. again, I don't think you can get less than zero. I don't think you. And, well, and see, I, that's that's the thing. So yeah. we're here at you know fifteen point four or whatever we're at. And uh, 15.4, 15.7, I'm losing my mind. Uh, <laughs> and once you've drawn all that out using a vacuum pump. You're at zero. You're yeah. at absolute zero. So you, Which is, should be equivalent to outer space. Yeah. Right. You can't go more vacuum than that. Right. So I don't see alcohol vaporizing at 65 degrees Fahrenheit in oh. vacuum. I'm not sure that that is correct. I think it's much higher. Um, well, I think we need to Google this. Okay, My, the, I was reading. I was reading in the uh, the magazine here in the New Brewer by article uh-huh. by Keith Via, uh-huh. and he was talking about this uh, alkalizer product that right. was able to do it at 65. So, right. I've talked to those folks, uh-huh. and I so uh, I wonder if. I don't know uh, how this is possible because um, somebody, somebody quick Google, Google, uh, you know, uh, alcohol vaporization temperature at absolute at, uh, at, at full vacuum. Come on, come on, Facebook. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm just not sure, but I've talked to those folks okay. and I've tasted the products that come out of that. And actually it was pretty good. Because one of the problems with most of the vacuum uh, bits of equipment that will uh, uh, remove alcohol is that it requires you to heat it up to, uh, you know, 100 and something. Yeah, you know, 120. Like 120 or something like that. Right. So how are they getting down to 65? I don't know. Uh, they won't send me any drawings, diagrams, data sheets. I tried to ask them how much energy it took to do this and they wouldn't send me that either they're just like no 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 we have to talk to you on the phone i'm like (laughs) just email me whatever information you have about your product and they were just like no 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 we'll send somebody out there to talk to you i'm like okay for god's sakes i'm not doing business with you because it's you're too much trouble to work with (laughs) if you can't email like a data sheet, you know, just some information whatsoever. Zero information. They're like, no, this is all protected. We can't give you any information about it. We will send you the machine and, you know, the price. <laughs> that, that was it. I so I, I, yeah. I got no interest in talking to you. Right. But there was another uh, 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 folks, uh, real nice folks, that did bother to send me information and sent me beers that were um, – uh, an osmotic membrane. What's oh, yeah. that, what, what, Okay. Well, what so are they basically, about with an osmotic membrane. Yeah, that's basically reverse osmosis of your beer. We use reverse osmosis for water. We use it to do, you know, remove to draw the water through the membrane and leave a high salt content behind. 
which is essentially what they're doing because the yeah. alcohol mixes with the, the water fully. Right. The, wa the water and alcohol come out through the membrane, mm -hmm. leaving a beer concentrate behind. Mm -hmm. And then uh, once you've pulled off the amount of alcohol you want to pull off, then you can add back deaerated, deionized water mm -hmm. to rehydrate that beer concentrate. And you can get a, you know, substantially beer tasting, not, you know, beery tasting, non-alcoholic beer. Well, there you go. I bet you, you know, uh, my friends at uh, Brew Chatter up, uh, up in Reno or Sparks, oh, yeah. uh, they, if, if people are interested in non-alcoholic beer, they, they probably got it figured out already and have a kit available to, <laughs> to make non-alcoholic beer. Great folks. They're, uh, you know, really, really clever uh, in their knowledge of brewing. They have, uh, you know, a great selection of equipment, great website. They're doing a lot of work in trying to support the brewing community. It seems far more important to them than actually selling you stuff is, uh, you know, somehow uh, improving uh, home brewing and making the brew community stronger and smarter. They work really hard at that. They put a lot of dedication to that. I'm really, really pleased to know those guys um, uh, and, and to call on my friends. Uh, they've, they've decided to sponsor the show too. Excellent. Excellent. That? So there's some, some questioning their sanity, but uh, in business <laughs> acumen, but other than that, uh, really good guys, top guys, you check them out, brewchatter.com. Or if you're uh, happen to be around sparks, uh, you know, go, go by and check them out. It's a lovely place. They got beer on draft, wonderful folks. You won't regret uh, taking time from your day to visit them. Uh, Brewchatter.com. All right, let's take a short break. When we come back, we'll have more about brewing your own uh, low and no alcohol beers right after this. Learning to brew has never been so disgusting. This is Brew Strong. All right, we're back. We're talking low and no alcohol beers. Uh, and, and, you know, how you brew. Uh, you know, there's a lot of yeah. interest in it, and I think it's, it's kind of cool. Um, <laughs> I think uh, Peter, uh, I, I think I could do Jamel's Packing Corner. I think, I think we could we could teach young men to pack for the last thirty years. He says yes. Um, and our dear friend Mitch Steele is listening. And he, oh, very he's cool! Enjoying, enjoying our topic. It must he must, his ears or ears must have been burning, right? Yeah. Well, as we were so. saying, we were saying about um, the membrane filtration. Yeah. One thing I wanted to caution uh, our homebrewing audience on. Before they rush out and try to force beer through their home reverse osmosis system, mm -hmm. is that the beer needs to be filtered before it goes into yes. the reverse osmosis. Mm -hmm. Yeast will plug up the membrane. Yes. And so, yeah, you need to have any clear. Any uh, yeah. And he's to be brilliantly clear beer. Yeah. But that, that's the same thing for these commercial uh, uh, units. I think they have, you know, a way of washing across the filter as they right. go. 
which helps. Yeah. So just you know, before you before you tried your home unit, right. want to throw that out there a little. Anytime caveat. you're trying your home unit, you need to be careful of yeah. what might happen. Like like using a using one of the pillowcases for brewing a bag, you know. Before right. you do that, right. Maybe listen to us. A few things. Yeah. Uh, well, and uh, one of the other things I think a lot of the uh, standard reverse osmosis filter uh, uh, membrane membranes. I wonder if they are able to handle the ethanol that's in there and some of the higher alcohols uh, that are uh, that are present. That it might break that down. I think one of the th- you know I looked I I w- I considered briefly uh, you know just trying running some beer through our RO unit and see what uh, happens um, uh, because it may work. But I wonder how long the membrane would last. I think that the membranes in these commercial units. Uh, have, uh, you know, are, are designed with a resistance to alcohol. They don't break down alcohols because I think some of these are membranes that are produced are organic in a way. Uh, organic yeah, I, I don't know enough about them. Right. Uh, yeah. So that may be an issue. The other thing is uh, in order to get uh, the product out that they do and the level that they do, it, it works at high pressure. So you need to uh, apply quite a bit of pressure. And reverse osmosis works better at higher pressure. The greater the pressure, uh, the more uh, yield you will get on the other side of the membrane. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, the, lo- the lower um, you could recirculate your beer through multiple times, I imagine, at a, at a lower pressure. But if you're going to do this, uh, realize that you can't just pump the beer through at, you know, one, one PSI. You have to kind of simulate, if you're going to try a home unit, you're going to have to try um, uh, using, you know, essentially city water pressure. Get yourself one of these RV uh, water pumps and, oh. you know, that can go to 100 PSI and use that to pump it through at high pressure and, you know, see what kind of yield you get then. If anybody tries this, one, we didn't tell you to do it, and we're not guaranteeing uh, your safety or success. Right. Uh, we, uh, here's a waiver of all the damage <laughs> to your equipment. But give it a try and let us know what happens. You can email us, uh, brewstrong at thebringnetwork.com, yeah. and uh, let us know what, what the hell happened and uh, how pleased or disappointed you are that you listened to us. Huh? Very good, yeah. We can even help you send in your tape to America's Funny Some Videos. <laughs> Anyway. All right. All right. So more about uh, the brewing uh, low ABV. Low, yeah. The, the final uh, traditional method is what you referred to earlier, fermentus interruptus. Yes. <laughs> and that is where you uh, use cold temperatures to slow the fermentation of the beer. Mm. And when you've achieved the ABV that you're targeting, then you chill the beer and drop the yeast and uh, filter it. You know, I imagine or commercially parts. you could filter it out or you could uh, centrifuge it, drop, drop your yeast that way. Yep. But yep. Yeah, my big problem with that is a lot of the uh, characteristics of beer and, you know, and bad beer is when, uh, you know, when you're making homebrew and you're not controlling the fermentation temperature and then, you know, it gets colder towards the end and the yeast lose activity Similar. and you're left behind with uh, acetaldehyde, diacetyl, other compounds that you don't really, you know, yeah. like. And Under-attenuated. Attenuate. And I tell you, that is like the worst 
you know, beer, you know, I taste it commercially. I taste it at homebrew. Yeah. I just, you know, I can't drink that. I could drink a non-alcoholic beer before I could drink that crap. So I'm not yeah. sure that that's the right way to go. Yeah. Well, there are a couple of commercial outfits. Um, I think believe Brooklyn Brewing is one where they, uh, I believe, I may be wrong here, so don't sue me, but I believe they are using a, you know, slow controlled fermentation to mm. produce a low alcohol beer that mm. is being well received. And I think if you, you know, if you design it right, low OG, you know, getting a small degree of fermentation mm -hmm. and stopping it at a low OG, you still have, you know, that 10, 15 or, you know, three to four Plato what's, uh, what's final gravity. That people drink Malta or whatever it is. Yeah, Malta. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Essentially unfermented wort or, you know, I just, I, I can't drink that crap. You know, I can't okay. drink, I can't drink something that's half fermented, whether it started at low ABV or not. I, I understand a lot of people like sweet things, but I, I think if you're a beer lover, which I assume if you are wasting your time listening to this crap. Yep. This show. Yes. <laughs> then, then you are truly a beer lover. You are, you're a passionate SOB. Are, are you not? Um, you want something that you want a non-alcoholic beer or low alcoholic beer that tastes like beer. Doesn't taste wordy. Right. Doesn't taste unfermented. Um, right. Isn't right. that what you're, you're striving for? I, I will say that I tried uh, the, again, the, uh, the, the beers from the one that was um, uh, supposedly uh, low pressure way of doing a vacuum and, um, uh, you know, uh, and, and lower heat. And it, it really, I've got no heat staling character. Um, I'm not sure the beers are that great that they started with, but, you know, it's pretty good. The uh, membrane one, um, I, I, I think holds far more potential for success because mm -hmm. it's at cold temperature. You can do it at, you know, 32 degrees, whatever you want. Um temperature isn't needed in order to make it happen. The problem I had with that was most of those beers were horribly stale. And I think it was the breweries that we're working with. I think oh. that the, their packaging was bad. I think that, you know, there was just so many failures in, you know, quality uh, like, control along like the way. Saying you have to add uh deaerated water back. Well, that deaerated water better be perfect. Because you you put a hundred billion uh, parts per million or parts per billion in there, a hundred parts per billion in there, um, you end up uh, you know oxidizing that that beer, and so every uh, pretty much every sample that they gave me, I think there was a, a good one in there, but there were a lot of really stale beers in there. Yeah. But I don't think that's the technology. I think that was you know some other aspects, which goes to show, and I, I tell my folks here, you know, making wort is nothing compared to fermentation, the cellaring, making sure the tanks are clean, and packaging. Yeah. Everybody on the packaging line should feel like they're brewers because it's so critical. Yeah, that's a very good point. Very good point. So, all right. Uh, let's see here. Uh, can we take another short break? That's, yeah. Yep, let's do that. Okay? I'm okay with that, and then we'll come back and talk about the new stuff. There you go. We'll be back right after this.
Back to the beer guys that make other beer guys look like wine guys. Brew strong. All right, we're back. Uh, let's see here. Um, new stuff. New stuff. Oh, 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 somebody has. No, don't don't give me a link. Uh, to what uh, all like guys? You would need to be at 0.04 pressure to get a boiling point to 20C. At zero, the boiling point is minus 273C. No. Really? Minus 273. That's like zero Kelvin. Okay. Right. That, that seems totally wrong. Should I click this link? No, I shouldn't. Because then I won't even watch up. the chat. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, right, okay. Well, then, then uh, if uh, if you need to get to point point oh four or whatever it is uh, atmospheres or psi, you didn't say uh, right, to get down there. Well, then, then that's clearly possible. Mm-hmm. You should be able to get. And well, and if it's a negative two hundred and seventy three C, then it seems to you pull an absolute vacuum. You would, uh, who was that? You would uh, be able to get down to the 65 Fahrenheit. I think that that's great. It still seems like you'd be pulling off volatiles of some sort. You know, there some, some there you would lose yes. some degree of yes. fermentation character. Yes, yes, absolutely. But I, I do think once you have uh, produced a non-alcoholic beer, you could dry hop it again. The problem is you're going to introduce some oxidation again. Yeah. Uh, you know, maybe you would try some hop oils or some hop extract or something like that. Some yeah. Or yeah. hop extracts mm-hmm. and maybe get yourself a little bit more hop character that way. Right. Um, okay. Well, we have new yeasts now that have recently appeared uh, in the last couple of years. And uh, as opposed to the fermentus interruptus, right. this is more of a fermentus brevis or short This I find fascinating. Yeah. And what do you mean by fermentus brevis? I mean a short fermentation. They uh-huh. have identified uh, spe- you know, specific yeast strains. Some of them are Saccharomyces cerevisiae uh, from the sake group. Um, called Chevalier. Uh, there's another one, um, Zygosaccharomyces ruchi. The what's this one called? Terulospora uh, strain or family species. <laughs> um, Saccharomycotes um, ludwigi is another one. All of these yeasts have been previously. Ludwigi is my favorite so far. Yeah. They have been identified um, as being low or no uh, utilizers of maltose. That Uh is, they only ferment simple monosaccharides, your Mm -hmm. glucose Mm -hmm. and fructose. Hmm. And and so very limited maltose incorporators. I would think you'd have to really uh, recast your... uh your grist and your, 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 your recipe, because 
Malta's is fairly sweet. Um, you know, mm, not as sweet yeah. as some of the, I mean, relatively compared to a lot of the other simple sugars. Um, but, um, you know, ooh, boy, I think if you leave behind a lot of maltos, it's going to taste unfermented. Well, yeah. And I think this is where the, the, the promoters of these yeasts and uh, White Labs markets a couple um, Fermentus um, uh, markets one. I think Lollaman's coming out with one. Um, they recommend the lower OG, you know, 10, 1030 kind of OG or, you mm-hmm. know, um, what is that? Uh, six, seven, eight Play-Doh mm-hmm. uh, gravity because, uh, yeah, you don't want too many sugars left behind because really – we all know that wort is um, a very uh, um, promotes a lot of growth in microbiology. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a very, very uh, um, what's the word I want? Rich environment, anyway. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so, if you leave a lot of fermentable sugars behind in a beverage, at some point you're going to have bottle bombs because mm-hmm. there's going to be some contamination there, and uh, you're going to get you know overpressuring. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, one thing that the the companies say with regards to using these these new yeasts that only have very small degrees of attenuation is that the beer must be pasteurized mm. afterwards when it's when it's packaged. I mean, you're applying heat, making it taste stale. Wow. Yeah, well, and they but they have you know flash pasteurization and tunnel pasteurization technologies that are better than they were. I I understand that, but. I guarantee you any application of heat, no matter how brief, produces staling. Yeah, I can um, argue with that. Yeah, so I'm, I'm not a fan of that. I, I understand that. But I, so I, I, I believe there's, uh, all right, I got my two or three things like I normally do. Uh-huh. <laughs> three things. Let's go with three. Okay. One, I think that the future of non-alcoholic beers is um, – not actually fermenting anything. I think it is the application and it won't be called, it will be called beer based under the current uh, TTB uh, regulations. You would take uh, some sort of malt, uh, you know, flavoring kind of, you know, character and mix it with some hop character and mix it with, you know, something and then, you know, carbonated water and it would taste like beer and it would never have fermented and it would taste um, uh, you know, as close to beer as possible. It would be stable and all that. And you wouldn't taste wordy and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's what I should be working on. Maybe I should prove all these, these people wrong and this <laughs> is the way to go. Yeah, yeah. You wouldn't even need a brewer's license to do it. But one of the problems with the existing way of all these theories of doing it is you can have a brewery license. Uh, good point. Yeah. So to make non-alcoholic beer, you have to have a brewery license. You know, it's so much easier if you don't need to get a brewery license. Uh, so you could make this without. I think that's one way to go. The other is, you know, there's already great low alcohol beer available in Britain. And it is, you know, uh, God's gift to low alcohol beers, which is a lot of the, the uh, sessionable beers on cask, the traditional British ales that you can find from, you know, in the 2% to 
to the three percent, uh, yeah, three or so. And oh my God, that is great drinking with tons of flavor, fully attenuated taste, perfect beers. So, you know, let's not let the, let's, so we're, we're kind of throwing the baby out with the bathwater here by focusing on, you know, these non-alcoholic beers and we're and our low alcoholic beers. And we're trying to come up with new ways of membranes and all this crap when the, 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 brilliant brewers of Britain have already, uh, you know, mastered how to make beers that you can drink in massive quantities and not be drunk and not be a problem and, you know, and still enjoy yourself. For God's sakes, support uh, real Cascale in Britain. Uh, uh, I beg of you. Uh, So that's the other thing. And the third thing is just America where, uh, you know, you don't find a beer at less than 6%. You know, 6% <laughs> is considered session ale. So, uh, screw y'all. We're all going to go uh, 14 and higher. Let's just go the other way. Let's not <laughs> screw around with this non-alcohol stuff. Because we should just drink what we want to drink and enjoy. And maybe maybe that's the case. I don't know. Okay. Well, that that's a very good <laughs> Good, very good set of points. My, my three points. There are three points. Um, I, I, I'm going to have to stick with three every show. Okay. Well, I'm going to follow up with a little bit more about uh, these the two of these new yeasts, mm-hmm. the Saccharomyces uh, Ludwigi and the Saccharomyces cerevisiae chevalier. The Ludwigi is my favorite. So. Yep. Um, the Ludwigi, the White Labs WLP 618, um, in brewing trials, uh, it is said to produce a generally good beer. Um, some, well, that's what I'm shooting for: generally good beer. Yeah. Well, you know, a what I'm trying to what I'm trying Heretic. to generally good beer. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Our new marketing slogan. You wouldn't know that it's not a, a that it's not that it it is a low alcohol beer as opposed to a no alcohol beer. Huh. Okay. Um, it's it some one one study uh, that Fermentus did cited it. Um, their trial fermentation of Luigi had said it had a touch of DMS. That's you know that's a that's a small flaw. I think that's um, a, a good thing in a uh, low alcohol beer. Adds yeah. fullness and 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 background character. Yeah. Otherwise, they tend to be watery. So yeah, that might be a good thing. The uh, Fermentus LAO1, uh, it's a new product. This is the sake uh, family of, of yeast. It, um, it can produce from a 6 to 8P wort, which would be, what, 1024 to 1032. Um, it can produce, produce a half percent ABV. Hmm. It only ferments uh, maltose, or sorry, it only ferments the monosaccharides, the mm-hmm. glu- fruit glucose, fructose. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have about 15% attenuation on, mm-hmm. of your total mm-hmm. uh, um, gravity. And uh, it is a very linear fermenter they found. Tip- typically takes 75 hours at 20, 22 degrees Celsius, or around, you know, around 70 two degrees Fahrenheit mm-hmm. uh, to fully ferment. Um, but again, you are leaving behind the maltose, maltotriose, and dextrins. Mm-hmm. So again, a low uh, OG is... I, I, I think if you're going to do that, 
one of the keys might be an extremely high uh, uh, mash temperature. Yeah. So instead of producing a lot of maltose or uh, other simple sugars, you want to produce the most complex sugars you can. So one, the sweetness drops, but you're still leaving kind of a fullness there. Yeah. And then you you apply this and maybe you get, uh, you know, results with low alcohol, but it doesn't taste worthy. Uh, A lot of unfermented maltose tastes worthy, if you ask me. Okay. That, that's a good, good uh, way to try, try it too. Um, so far, they've recommended a low mash temperature to produce lots of the monosaccharides. Um, but uh, I could see trying it your way too. There you go. All right. Another wonderful show. Thank you all for participating, and thanks for uh, supporting our sponsors, Blickman Engineering and uh, Brute Chatter. Uh, make sure to check them out on the web. Send them an email. Uh, you know, tell them how much you appreciate they support this show. Uh, if you're listening live, stay tuned. I can't repeat this enough. Stay tuned. We're not we're not going anywhere. Yep. We're going to do another show uh, right after this. Uh, we're just going to take a couple minutes uh, for people to pee and to get another beer and all this stuff, but we'll be right back. We're not even going to close the feed. We're going to stay live here, and then we'll be rolling again in uh, five minutes at 2 p.m. Pacific time exactly. Uh, we'll, we'll be going. So prepare your questions. We're going to do uh, your live questions. Uh, Travis, I see you there, my brother. I see uh, Gino. I see Leaf. I see uh, all you folks. Uh, hanging out in the in the uh, the Facebook Live and participating with us, and we really do appreciate it because pandemic pandemic wise, it makes it so much more fun. That's right. Because we are so separated. Uh, but let's do this. Uh, we'll end this show, but stay tuned. We're, we'll be back in five minutes uh, with more uh, Bruce Strong. But until then, everybody, uh, Bruce Strong. Bruce Strong, everyone.